Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, good morning. Good morning, sir. It's a, You know what? I absolutely think we got the greatest spring going. We I mean, really have got a good is, spring uh, started. I have had a great, it's been a great week. I wish, you know, the problem is, is you and I are both having to work. What's wrong with that picture? Well, you know, it's just what do we have to do? Is that what we yeah, have to that's, do? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's our lot in life at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it has been a beautiful spring. I love the cool mornings. Have you been watching Mars, by the way, come through the sky? I have not. I have a lovely lady of 41 years that has been just fascinated with this idea of watching the, the track of Mars. Right. It comes across, and it's been it's bright. It's not red. It, I think she called it butterscotch, and that's what they're saying, you know, the, the real guys that watch this stuff. But it's been kind of fun to watch it come up, you know, in the east, and as it tracks across the sky. It, uh, that's interesting. We don't see that a lot. That's you know? right. I mean, I, I don't pay attention to it, <laughs> you know, but it's been fun to watch. So um, let me ask you a question. You've got to bet we got the Masters going on, and uh, I got, got, the a, Masters I got going a basketball on. question. I know North Carolina didn't finish, Memphis didn't finish, UConn. You know, but the reality is UConn – Beat Memphis, give us a pretty good whipping. I'm glad to see them take it all the way. That well, was, you always want the team that beats you to go yeah, on and to win, go the all win the championship. So, and they right. did. But remember Buffett's little challenge uh, I do. with all the bracketing. That's right. I got a statistic for you. How did you do, by the way? Did you did you win the? I did dollars? not win the bracket and did not come close. <laughs> well, neither did 98 percent of the people that give it a shot. Would you believe that 98 percent of the participants? In the NCAA $1 billion basketball challenge, the contest. $1 billion from Warren B Buffett. B with a B, billion with a B. And okay. all you had to do was pick every game right. Pick every game right. <laughs> 98% were out in the first day. Out the first day. Because they picked Duke to beat Mercer, and that didn't happen. 98% of the people <laughs> you know, like that's Duke. That's a pretty that's, good. That's terrible, <laughs> terrible statistic. For, a, for an NCAA fan <laughs> who loves North Carolina, I just had to throw that oh, out. Oh, that was a good one. That was one of the greatest games of the tournament watching Duke go down. <laughs> I'm sure it is. What do we got lined up for today? We've got a great show today. We've got Frank Allen. We're going to be talking about financial planning, you know, why everyone needs a financial plan. That's good. And important things and how people procrastinate. We always put it off and things. But I've got, I mean, that's going to be a program that I think that, you know, when we go through this, Keith, I think what Frank will do is really guide us through some fundamentals. So I, right. I encourage our listeners to stay with us because there's, there's things that people have to think about. Frank's very good at this. He's a certified financial planner, does a lot of planning with people. And everybody says, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going right. to do that. You know, that wish I could, you know, all that stuff, wish I could, should I could, all that stuff. Reality is you have to get started at it and work your way through it. You do. And so we'll uh, have Frank walk us through some of the principles of planning and how to get started. It's the fundamental, the step one, step two process, and he's very good at that. But I got a question for you. The market's been tough this week. The market's been tough. But before we get into that, and I want to take that question, but I want to back up one second. All there right, was one here, thing I wanted to do. 
Well, when we started the golf season, and you know, the Masters is a big deal. We love watching it. I know it's a tournament, one of the favorite places you've gone to see golf. Uh, and I have another golf uh, story for you, but it's got nothing to do with the Masters. Someone that uh, is pretty close to me had her first hole-in-one yesterday. Did she? Yes, she oh, did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're talking about mom, of My course. mother, Julia had, Quinn. Had, had That's had right. For a hole-in-one. Hole-in-one. Well, congratulations, Miss Quinn. That number is, three uh, on the Oaks course at Citrus Hills. Uh, she you know, that's drained a, it. That is a – who all was watching? Uh, well, I know my dad was with her, and there was another couple I, that they I'm were playing interested with. I'm was your dad watching. He was watching. He, <laughs> he was trying to take notes. <laughs> that's good. Take notes from the swing. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's a tough little hole. So, yes. That's that is always a milestone. A, it is. is. Your first one's deal. big. First one's big. And, of course, she's playing enough golf and many, many more. I expect many more. Well, that's <laughs> good. Now, let's say congratulations to her. That's great for Yes, her. congratulations, and, Mom. Uh, obviously, she's playing more golf than you and I are. I think she is. <laughs> I think she is. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the market. We've the got serious a couple stuff. things going on. Uh, I know uh, when we get back, I mean, the market has been up and down. We just lost 200-something points. The second half of the program, I want us to go through some fundamentals to keep people focused on what we said from the beginning of the year. There will be a correction. And how do you manage through the correction? If this is the beginning, if we this don't is know. the beginning, and we talked about that as well, that we were expecting a lot more volatility, and now we're seeing that as the market's moving up and down. I'm Keith Quinn. We're, I'm here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from eight to nine here on AM nine ninety, the Voice of Memphis. Of course, you can always listen to us in one of three ways: either on the radio at AM nine ninety. Go online on the internet, search for our homepage, kwam990.com. Just click on Watch and Listen Live, and you can listen to us on the internet. Or go to the App Store, search for and download our free mobile app, KWAM 990, and listen to us on your mobile device. Stick around. We're going to be right back with Frank Allen to discuss some tenets of financial planning. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AEM 990. You know, one of the things, I, I'm just so impressed with your mom as she gets this hole-in-one. I've had the fortune. I was impressed. I'm very impressed. And <laughs> I was fortunate to have a hole-in-one. And we just found out in the break that our guest has had a hole-in-one. And I got a question And had you. his in February. Have you had yours? I have not had mine. Well, Still looking a, forward to it. playing enough golf. I'm going to work on that this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, welcome to the program. And congratulations in February. Had your first hole-in-one. Is that correct? Thank you first, very much. First and only. in Waco, Texas. Well, yes, Waco, that's Texas. awesome. Great. So, sort Certified financial planner Frank Allen. He's with our firm, one of our senior advisors. And Frank does a ton of financial planning. And, you know, Frank, I think I think the thing that when we say financial planning in today's world, that is such a term that it, that's somewhat gotten a little, you know, kind of construed in different areas. So could you help us just understand for our listening audience exactly what does it mean, number one, what is a financial plan and why to do a – why do you do a financial plan? Right. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me sure. today. And, uh, you know, a financial plan is is so critical. I liken it to like building a house. You know, you first talk to a, an architect and then you draw up a blueprint and then you begin executing. OK, and you begin putting that plan into place. And I, I think a financial plan is very similar to that. It's like a blueprint or a roadmap that just kind of helps you understand whether you're on track to achieve your financial goals. You know, that's a great way to think about it, Keith, when you when, it when, is. when Frank puts it that in that simple way. Because if I'm going to take a trip from here to California, I'm going to be thinking, you know, here I'm going and I'm headed in that direction. I want a roadmap to help me get there because I'm not exactly sure. And, Frank, when you say that, 
if if you could you know put it as a roadmap, there's going to be multiple changes. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be detours, and so you're going to have that through your lifetime. So the roadmap adjusts during a person's lifetime or during this trip, and so does the plan. Am I correct? That's the- exactly right. You never know really what's going to happen next, and as you turn around that corner on your financial roadmap. You don't know what's going to be there. That's and so good. you, one of the things that a financial planner can help you do and a plan itself can help you do is prepare for some of those uncertainties that you know are going to be lurking down and the road. Everybody has those uncertainties. And, That's and, right. And you can't just, so when you talk about a plan, and I guess you don't think of a, I mean, a roadmap, you get the roadmap and it's done because there are going to be the changes. So how do you, as the financial planner, working with a client, help them understand that it's not just a one-time thing you fold it up, tuck it into a nice little package, and put it on the shelf, and you never go back. Because if I'm headed to California, I'm going to check the roadmap every morning when I right. get up to know how far I can go. Same right. thing with a financial plan. So, how do you encourage a person to understand? You know, to understand that really. Well, you know, to do a plan in the beginning and then put it on the shelf and never refer to it again is kind of like assuming the market's just going to go straight up. Yep. You know, and because you put you have to put assumptions into every financial plan. But when you take an average over the course of the next 20 or 30 years, you know that that assumption is going to be different. You know, reality is going to be different than that assumption. So you've got to continue to monitor it, understand whether you're on track. And in some cases, you may begin to overfund one goal and underfund another. Mm. So you might want to have, you know, even if you only have the same amount of resources to give towards your goals, you may want to switch that up at some point because life changes. You know, that's a wonderful idea that because six years ago, I'm in the process of doing some, my own personal financial plan. Of course, I started long time ago in my original and I'm adjusting and I'm working through some things and I decide that I need to add some insurance to my personal life and to my estate uh, for estate tax purposes, for my wife and all the things that you have to go on. And and I had a huge roadblock. I found out I was uninsurable. Right. So that's a, that's what you're talking about is knowing that you're never going to be stagnant with this, that you have to manage it and you stay engaged with it. Is it the planner's responsibility, Frank, to help the client understand that, that they must stay engaged, or is it the client's responsibility to stay engaged? Well, I think they both have some, you know, they bear some responsibility in that. And I think uh, a good planner is going to help keep that front and center most of the time. And, uh, but people need to take responsibility for their own, their own future as well. And I would say the other thing is, is you know, we think of, uh, when we're working with younger people, a lot of times they don't think they need a plan. Well, the sooner you start, the more options you have, the easier this is to work out, the more flexible you can be when you run into those roadblocks. Well, let me ask the question, because that's kind of a thought process. Who needs a plan? I mean, you said, you know, the young person starting up. I'm saying someone my age, uh, I'm still planning, I'm still working. So who needs a plan? Well, I know the answer to that already. <laughs> you do, indeed. You taught me. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, the thought about it is, I mean, I know, you know, everybody's thinking, well, Jim, that's a dumb question. Everybody. But, you know, say it. We all need a plan. But why do we struggle? Because if everybody needed a plan, we should have a, you know, take a number at the office. Right. But right. they're not taking numbers. Well, it's funny. I was uh, on my way down to Waco a few weeks ago, and I ran into a fellow sitting next to me on the airplane, and we started talking about what I do. and. And he said, you know, let me let me ask you a question. When is it too late to do a plan? I mean, it was just, it was comical. Perfect question, yeah. And I said, you know, it is never too late. Today is the best day, yeah. you know, to do a plan if you haven't already done one. But, you know, you just want to, uh, a lot of times people don't do a plan because they're either afraid 
to share their own their current situation with someone else. Embarrassed? Maybe a little embarrassed. Sure. They're just maybe, you know, like, or they think, well, it's no use. I don't have enough resources. I don't have a million dollars in the bank. You know, so why bother? But it's just so critical, no matter what age, no matter what your responsibilities, we all want to, you know, have a plan and have some kind of roadmap, have some guidance in terms of how to get from A to B. Well, if you talk about that, give me some examples. I mean, I'm thinking of my own self and I'm thinking of clients that I've worked with that, you you know, I'm trying to get them to understand that a plan is a document that is identifying for them their goals and objectives. But sometimes when you ask a person my goal, or my, they, they struggle with articulating that. So help me with that. Give me some examples of, of maybe how a client needs to identify or what would you call clients' objectives and goals? Probably the, the single greatest uh, goal that people think about when they come to me is retirement. When can I retire? Mm-hmm. You know, and probably the second most common is college. You know, if they have kids and maybe they're in middle school or maybe even in elementary school or just born. Um, I've, I've had some clients call me and say, when can I start, you know, putting money into my my college plan for my unborn child. Right. You know, and, well, that's a wonderful way to be thinking about a financial plan and getting started. And the earlier you get started, the better. But paying off debt, uh, cash reserves, helping people build a cash reserve, because there are statistics that show that people with a sufficient cash reserve panic less about their money in the market. And so having that cushion, that rainy day cushion and cash flow is so, it's just very important. And of course, in a, in a plan, one of the foundations is having adequate, fin- you know, the financial protection for the family, proper exactly. amounts of insurance. You have a lot of people that buy more insurance than they need or don't have it. So a plan starts with a very basic pyramid part. When you look at the foundation, if you think of a pyramid, you start with that foundation, make it strong, make it effective, make it adequate, and then you can build from there. So that's what you're right. talking about. And the best insurance is, is the, you know, that which you never use. You hope to never have to use that insurance, but you can't go along you know, life assuming that nothing's ever going to happen. We go back to that uncertainties we were talking about before. Well, I guess the, one of the thoughts that I have is with people, Keith, is when they're thinking about planning and the, and the, the resources. Let me ask you this, and I guess, uh, Frank, I'm, I'm thinking – Everybody needs to know they have to have a plan. Maybe we should do this, I guess, um, after we take a break. But I um, uh, I guess I, I'm trying to think about the thought process between the planning of what we're trying to do, where we're going with it, why is p- do people struggle with it. And, and I guess, Frank, help me understand why a person might think they don't need a plan. Why, what's, why are they struggling in their head? You hear a lot of answers. You hear a lot of thoughts. So help me with that. Well, I deal with a lot of people who do a lot of right things. They're making contributions to their 401K. They have life insurance. So I would say probably the single greatest reason why people don't do a plan or feel like they don't need one is because they're doing a lot of things right. And so they assume, okay, well, if I, if I have insurance from work, if I'm putting money into my 401K, if I've got a little bit of money over here in the, in the bank account, I'm good. And so they don't put numbers to it to actually see, well, when, you know, by what time are you good? When can you retire? Are you going to have enough money for college? And which college? You know, so there's a lot of details to a plan that people just don't really think through. So you make them start thinking. And that's, and that's right. really kind of a, a process that you're kind of challenging them a little bit. So a person has to kind of want to be challenged by the advisor, by the planner. You want to get them to think the bigger picture. Um, and that is that is difficult. I mean, you know, Keith, a lot of people it's it's kind of nice to have your head stuck in the sand and say, well, know, it's comfortable. Yeah, it's comfortable and you don't have to worry about it. So uh, I can see how that can be tough, Frank, that getting someone to get into that 
problem-solving mode, for a lot of people, it's very difficult. Well, I think you, you can tell as a planner the ones that are very serious about their goals because a lot of people come in and talk about their goals, but when you see clients who immediately you know, respond and say, okay, I'm immediately going to start putting money into this account for this goal, you know they're serious um, because you know, there are a lot of goals and they can sometimes be conflicting and contradictory goals because you have a limited amount of resources. But when you talk to a client and you see that in their eyes and they say, okay, let's start doing this right now, you know they're you serious see the passion. about that particular you see the goal. You know, also from a planning perspective, you're reviewing a person's last will and testament. You're looking at their trust. You're looking at their powers of attorney. All of those things fall into that gap. And, you know, everybody thinks they've got it all done sometimes. Those that may have done a plan, but what the reality is, is if they've done it with someone else, all we're doing is being an auditor. And an audit to a plan, I think, is very healthy because it does allow us to have another set of eyes to take a look. I just did one recently that had been done by a very competent planner, but in the reality, as we looked at it, it was just some things that were major that had everybody thought they had got it done, if you know what I'm talking about. But it hadn't been completely finished. Now, I know we got some more time with Frank, but when I come back, I want to ask Frank a little bit about what's the fee for a plan? You know, is it is it free? Or does it, does it cost something? And I think that's important for us to look at because everybody needs to understand that. And that sometimes can be a detriment to the planning process. But again, I think if a person understands what they're getting, they can understand the fee structure. So we'll talk about that when we come back with Frank. Just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan, it's about the results. Let's take a quick break. Go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood File, and we'll be right back with Frank Allen. Very good. Radio Network. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker and Frank Allen. You know, I'm still blown away that your mom hit a hole in one. I think we can't mention that enough. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big accomplishment. I need to play some golf with her. I need to get some lessons. I know. And the only thing was she didn't take a picture. I told her, I can't believe you didn't take a picture on the green. That's a... That's, that is a milestone. I'm impressed. Uh, I was, you know? I was very impressed. And our guest hits a hole in one in February. Of course, now my dad's got something to try <laughs> and shoot right. for for the and rest I, of his I life. Guarantee every time he comes to a hole of par three, he's in it. Man. <laughs> yes, that's great. That's great. Well, we're talking with Frank Allen. He's a certified financial planner with Shoemaker Financial. And if you'd like to give Frank a call, the telephone number to call him is seven five seven five seven five seven and. Uh, Ask for his assistant, Kathy, because she runs the show for him, knows everything that goes on, I guarantee you. That is and absolutely she yanks correct. his chain when he needs to be yanked. And that's he a does good a thing. great job. 757-5757. That's for Frank Allen. Frank, I guess one of the questions that a lot of people think about, I mean, are there other thoughts or names, and I'm going to come back to the fee in a minute, but there's, I mean, don't, I don't want people to misunderstand what a financial plan is. So, Kenny, is there other thought I mean, that you hear out there as buzzwords? Well, I hear wealth management plan, you know, wealth development, you know, things like that. And sometimes people equate a budget to a financial plan. And, you know, they're, they're just different things. You know, a, a budget certainly is a step towards developing a plan. Right. But a, a, a budget deals with more of the details of what am I spending now and what, what if I have been spending, but it really doesn't get into future. It might future be a goals. part of a plan. It's certainly I mean, I'm thinking a from a plan. retirement standpoint, I want to know. 
What is my budget? Exactly what am I right. spending? But it's not a plan. Wealth management, you mentioned that. Wealth management is more managing assets, you know, and, and you know, we, we focus on the plan and then whatever comes up under that. And wealth management and, and managing assets does fall under the, you know, auspices of a plan and, and monitoring and, and implementing a plan. But, you know, if you're doing the managing assets, but you don't know the full picture of the plan and where, where you are now, where you're going, it's just less effective. You know, that's, uh, Keith, that's, I mean, uh, what Frank's saying is so important for our listeners to understand. If you think about it, if you, you can do wealth management, and we talk about that all the time. That's right. kind of a focus of purpose sometimes we we get into. But what Frank's brought into this picture here is the idea behind knowing the client and knowing the the where the client's trying to go. Wealth management is managing the assets, but when you do a plan, you're really helping the client achieve their financial dreams and goals. And that's not wealth management. And as Frank said, that's not just budgeting. It encompasses the whole economic financial picture for the client. It really does. And from the asset management side, it's it's very tough to manage assets without knowing what goal you're trying to accomplish because that's, you know, that is what you focus on because is your it, goal. It really does talk about your risk tolerance. It, it absolutely all does. that's a part of the plan. And it's all part it of the plan. And it's less about a percentage rate of return because Absolutely. that's kind of what wealth management kind of does. It's it caught focuses up in you in on a rate of return. So you're totally dependent upon the market. But what we do is try to figure out, do you have enough in a nest egg to accomplish your goals? You know, and so we focus more on on that as opposed to a particular rate of return. That's a great thought. It's a well-put thought. So, again, if you're interested in talking to Frank and need to talk about a plan, and, again, it's just an introductory meeting. If you want to talk with Frank and just to meet and say, hey, let me get some ideas behind the plan, 757 757- Five seven five seven, and, that's, and if uh, you don't have a plan, don't hesitate. Pick up the phone yeah, and call, call Frank Allen. Well, because that's reality is don't procrastinate. Don't procrastinate. Yeah. Take the first step. You'll All be right. glad you did. What's when a client is looking to start a plan? What should the client be looking to talk to you about? What should they have in their mind? If if somebody heard us just say seven five seven five seven five seven, that's the telephone right. number. They're going to call. Give us the thought process before they get you and you sit down with you. Well, when I sit down with them, what I tell them is we're going to focus on five areas. I, I need to know uh, your income, your expense, your assets, your liabilities, and most importantly, your goals. And if they come, you know, they don't necessarily have to come to the first meeting with that, but the second meeting after we figured out, okay, well, is there a need for my services and what the fee is and all of that. Then I tell them these are kind of the kind of things that we need to discuss in so, the next. Meeting. I hate to use this term, but you really are kind of being the financial physician, where you're kind of uncovering and you're asking all the quote health questions, the financial questions, mm-hmm. and you're gaining some insights. You're That's maybe right. doing a little blood work from a standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it. For work. some people, it is kind of a uh, you know a, I hate to use the term bloodletting, but but it is because if they haven't done a plan. And they're now getting to the point where they want to retire. They need to have some mindset. But if they're just starting, it's so much easier if I can get someone that's in their 30s, 25 to 30, and say, hey, just let me help you guide you through. So I guess in reality, if you happen to be a grandparent or a parent and you have that child that's coming out and getting married, this is a perfect time to start. So perfect time to maybe Offer them for a graduation present, a, you know, a conference with uh, Frank, and that would be at least a or, starting or a wedding gift. A wedding gift. Perfect example. So, all right, let me ask you this because we did this before we went to the break. A plan, I mean, when I say financial planning, my mind covers a big 30,000-foot view. But let's start and say, okay, a beginning plan for that young couple can cost how much and then take me out right. to the other side. 
Well, in the very beginning, you know, and, uh, you know, fees are really dependent upon the complexity of the plan, as you said. So if you have a basic plan and you're not dealing with rental property and outside businesses and stock options and all those things, then the basic fee can be as low as in that in the neighborhood of $750 to do a basic plan. And then it can go up to the tens of thousands if you're dealing with a very complicated, multi-generational family, you know, estate plan. Yeah, I've got the thinking right now, I'm working on a, a very large case, and it's in that multi, and the reality is it's a three-year plan. And, right. Uh, you know, you've been very much involved in it, Keith, and it's complicated, and you, you don't just do it. And you know, people think of plans sometimes today, and I, this is part of our industry's problem, our fault, is we run. When I started an industry, we didn't do this with software. We did this with a calculator and pencils. <laughs> Never mind. But the reality is today. I'm shocked you had pencils. Oh, yeah, we had pencils. <laughs> so today, that's enough of <laughs> Today, we, we actually have this problem because we do have software that is so Phenomenal, so complex. If you had asked me 40 years ago when I started in this business, you know, and you just said, okay, uh, you know, you projected everything out at 6%, what would it do if it was at 4%? Well, I'd say come back in a month and I could right. tell you. Right, you got to you know, restart that. Because I would start all over again. <laughs> right. Today, we sit in the office and we play games. We can say, what if? What if you earn 6%? What if you pull this money out? I mean, and punch a button and literally in less than 10 seconds, we've got an answer. And so mm-hmm. it makes it. I mean, Frank, that is so valuable to the client today to have that ability to look at it and play the what-if game. What if I did this? What if we did this? And whether it's long-term care, college education, a disability, or whatever. Do you agree with that? We find that when people come in, not only do we show and help people understand that they do have enough money to to Oh, that is so comforting. You know what I'm talking about. It's very comforting. You can see that client sit across the table and say, wow. And sometimes it's the spouse that does the wow. Yes. You know, in other words, one spouse sometimes knows, I think we're in pretty good shape, but I want to make sure that we both feel comfortable and that I can share with my spouse that there, you know, there's no reason to be, you know, uncomfortable with this. So when you pull up that chart on the screen and it's all green and it's all increasing, then the spouse begins to understand maybe a little more about, okay, well, that's what all that meant. You know, one of the things that I think people forget, and I, and I know this, we are fiduciaries and as a fiduciary, our responsibility is to do no harm. And so when we're when we're giving them that chance to look at something that's the number side, it is the peace of mind, as we say, you're on track, you're clicking it off, you've made the head. We, we, I've got clients that I've been working with 30 years on this, and it, it is a live and breathing thing. And to know that you can sense that, hey, a peace of mind saying, I can do this, I am going to be able to buy this extra, you know, car, you know, go buy the second home or pay for the college education. It is a peace of mind. It is indeed. It is. And I like, you know, guys, I think even more impactful sometimes is the flip side of that coin. Uh, You know, the ability to have the hard conversations with people when they they haven't done everything. But, you know, you you point that out to them and they've got to accept that and they can move on from there. That's one of the most gratifying things uh, in what we do is because when somebody comes in and kind of their financial house is, is a mess or maybe in chaos, and they walk out, and they have a plan. I had one client tell me specifically, I knew I was on the wrong track, and I can follow a plan, but I just can't build the plan. And you built a plan for me, and when you built the plan and I followed it, their whole life changed. Well, I asked the question earlier, and I guess I'm going to kind of ask it again because I'm really thinking about it. One of the biggest factors, and and Frank, I know from your practice and what you do and using that example, that client walked out not because you you did the wiffle dust thing, they really came back and said, hey, I trust you. 
And that is so critical to the client-planner relationship. Explain that to me. Yes, the rapport that you have with your planner is probably the most critical thing. I, I really believe that it's all about trust. We're in a trust business, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of things you read about in the paper and see on the news about distrust and about people who had trust placed in them and they they abused it. They breached it, and, and so that puts a bad name on on all of us. And so it's it's a very important thing for clients to know that they can trust the people they're dealing with and, and that every planner, every person that they're talking to and working with along the way is going to put their interest before their own. Well, I know you do this. I know your clients uh, say this to me all the time, that you do it an effective way. And I think this is kind of one of those uh, examples of what a client should be looking for when they're looking for a good planner. I don't think a plan should ever be free. Uh, you kind of get what you pay for. And I think that's, that's, that's our philosophy. It's been our philosophy right. since 1978. But the reality is, is, a, is the trust is important, very, very important. But, Frank, you do this, and I've had clients that have, your clients that have said to me, Frank listens, and that is important. You never need a planner that's always telling you what to do, but listening, and that's so important. Well, thank you, and, and it, is, uh, it is something you have to work on. You know, sometimes it doesn't come real naturally, and so you really – Focus in and, and try to help un, help yourself, you know, get a good understanding of where your client's coming from, where they want to go, and you, you build that relationship over time. It's, it's not a one-visit one event. No. You know, our planning process is three different visits, to, and part of it is for that reason, to just build Just to get trust, the plan started. To, to just get the plan started is three visits, and so we, we don't come in and start telling people right off the bat what they need, and it takes, it takes three different meetings to actually pull the data, get to know the person begin to develop that relationship, and understand what they're trying to accomplish. Well, Frank, you do a great job. Your well, clients you. appreciate you. We appreciate you. We know he does the, that type of listing. He has a great amount of trust with his clients. They, they can depend on him. And, you know, one of the things, Keith, that we say and, and all the time, it's not about just the plan. Right. It is about the implementation. Frank does a great job, Frank, of staying engaged with the client, helping them move through the process. You don't always implement everything the first time. You, you don't work and, over and a period of time. Exactly. And, you know, Frank is not doing this for a year. He's not, he's no. not, you know, writing you a financial plan for the next 12 months. He's writing it for the rest of your life. Right. And, he's and he's going saying, to lock arms with you yeah. for the rest of your life he's and help getting, you walk that yeah, out. Engaging with you from that standpoint. Frank, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, well, Frank. You know, it's been a great uh, 30, 45 minutes because he really, really good. covered a lot of stuff. But he when did. we come back, I want to talk about the market. I want to talk about the fact that we started out a little bit underneath because we were, futures were down. But I want to talk about what should the client be thinking about during this particular time. Panic. No. <laughs> Not panic. Okay. <laughs> well, did you write that script for him, Art? Come on, Art. you got to do better than that. All right. We'll be back. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 here on AM 990. Stick around. We're going to go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment, but we'll be right back to talk about some tips for dealing with a volatile market. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Well, you know, the S&P 500 has only been, as far as the up through the first quarter of this this year, only up 1.8%. And, of course, we've given most of that back. 
We have given most of that back. We're only up uh, year to date 26 basis points, 0.26% on the S&P. And that's uh, the lowest first quarter return. If you look at just the first quarter. It is, but bonds are up. Yeah, well, you know, that's a good point. And how many people would have abandoned bonds back when we began to think about tapering in a QE3 problem? That would have said, okay, interest rates are going to rise, and that would have been a huge, huge issue. So when the Federal Reserve begins its rise, if right. you might say, which it has not done, uh, the interest rates hikes are, you know, they're going to go, they're going to move up. But if you look at back, you know, the last time was 10 years ago, which that's been a, it doesn't, that's, seem, it doesn't seem that long when you think about it, but yes, 10 but years over ago. a two year period from 630.04 to 630.06, the Federal Reserve raised short-term interest rates 17 times. And remember, they raised the short-term rates, and, and everyone needs to realize that the Fed can only directly control the short end of the yield curve. That's they right. cannot control the long end. And as much as they raised the short, uh, short-term rates then, they really didn't move the long end of the curve. But during that two-year period, the S&P 500, the two-year period I'm talking right. about, in 04 and 06, went up 15.5%, which everybody would, would be thinking today that if we're going to raise interest rates, uh, the market's going to take. And so what do we need to say to the people – about that emotion. Remember, we have the seven deadly sins that we've talked about over and over again. The first one is following the herd. Remember that? I do. Uh, everybody gets caught up in what everybody else is doing, whether the market's going up and you follow suit or the market's going down. You, you know, you run away from it. So we know don't follow the herd. Don't follow the herd. You know, it's very interesting. We track uh, where money flows into what type of investments. And, of course, a lot of it uh, had been flowing into equities and flowing out of bonds. And now we see equities down and bonds are up. Well, and the, the herd tends to gather, you know, the most strength right before the investment or whatever they're, whatever they're jumping on is running over the cliff. And right that's before what, it crashes. So, so, again, we'd say walk away. Don't get caught up in the emotional side or the herd side of that. And I just said the second one, which is emotions. Emotions. Don't, do not make emotional investment decisions. And frankly, unless you have to, don't watch CNBC. <laughs> do not read these blogs. This is short-term thinking. But, but, you know, I mean, all of us do that. I mean, uh, you know. Everybody. But we shouldn't. But we shouldn't because it does create that emotion. Why, why is CNBC, not, not just CNBC, Fox, CNN, all of them. Any of them. Why are they going to appeal to your emotions? Well, because we're, we're hardwired to want that quick fix. You know, as, as, just as human beings, you know, we we're, think about it. We're always about the next meal, the next thing. So we're, we're focused on the short term, very myopic about our point of view. And that, you know, scratches that itch for us. We see what's going on now, and they're always telling you, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make it right now. Yeah, and, and you can't get caught up in this. Uh, I mean, everybody's trying to get that thought process moving in you. And so, I mean, 2008, I think, still has a, a kind of a cloud to some degree. It, it, Even it though does. Now, that's really history. That's really. It's over, over five years ago that's now. That's right. So. And we don't have the same type of things going on. I had someone to send me a book yesterday. I'm not even, I don't remember the name of it. But in the review, as I looked at the book, he said, you know, you ought to read this book. And, and it, was, it was a doomsayer. Now, I've read a lot of doomsayer books because yeah, I always want to see what are they thinking. Well, right. uh, you know, at the end of it, it was very sensational and very much emotional. And at the end, it was about, <laughs> you know, the sad thing about it is at the end, it was about him selling you gold. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yes. Which really disappointed me because if he had just stayed away from that, I would have given the book at least at a least read. At least a read, right. But it was not a read. It was uh, it was all the marketing and uh, how bad everything was going to be because he wanted to make sure you bought gold, and he said you had to buy it 
from him. And just in case we're unclear on this, if the economy ever gets to the point where actual physical gold is what we are trading, <laughs> you're not going to be able to trade actual physical, physical gold. gold. Good point. What's the redemption for, you know, when you look at this uh, sin of emotion? Uh, put volatility out of your mind. Just put volatility out of your mind. And again, when you're watching CNBC, when you're watching Fox Business, do they have any idea what your goals are? How on earth can you take advice from that? All right, let's go back to what Frank was telling us in the first half of the program. If you have a plan plan. and you know that you're working through this process and you have your risk tolerances pretty much identified and you can, you know, it's got sleep factor, you you can let the market do what it's doing if you're looking at things. And especially if you're long term, the market is a healthy market is going to be volatile. It really is. And, and Jim, you know, we're doing some training at the firm later this morning, and I've been thinking a lot about volatility in the market and what happened in 2008. And, you know, it hit all of us hard. And I think for individuals that aren't in it every day like we are, it's even tougher for them oh. uh, because it, it is it has taken me, r- honestly, the last five years to really come to grips with how I feel about the market. And, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty unequivocal in my feelings. I believe in the long-term trends of the capital market. And you're pretty smart. Uh, well, I thank you. Occasion. Uh, occasionally. Right, right. <laughs> but I do believe Long-term, you know, small caps outperform large caps. Absolutely. Large caps outperform bonds. Bonds outperform cash, and there's going to be a certain level of inflation. Exactly. Uh, and I believe in the fundamental faith in the future, uh, and I think that's incredibly you know, important. And, and you have to have those thoughts, and those are basic fundamental thoughts. And, and you say, well, Jim, that's of optimism. And optimism is, is a deadly thing. Actually, optimism is very, very healthy because if you're walking around pessimistic, you will never do anything. And it's not optimism in spite of the facts. Right. It's optimism because, because of the facts. Of the fact. Exactly. So, all right, we've talked about following the herd. Be careful. Keep your emotions. Be careful with that. So what about diversification? Because we talk about diversification. We try to get people to understand the principle of diversification. But for one more time, why is diversification important in this volatile market that we've just experienced? Now, keep in mind, this is the way the market's supposed to act. It really is. Up and down. Up and down. And down. Right. Last year, it was not a normal market because there were more, more, more ups than there were downs. Right. But this is normal. We had a down the latter part of January, and it climbed back up. We're going to have a down again. It'll climb back up. That's it right. just doesn't go in a steady little flow. So how do you manage the diversification to get around that? You mentioned it earlier. Well, it doesn't go in a steady flow, and we don't have a crystal ball to look into the future. So I don't know what's going to be the next performing asset class over the next 12 months, three years, five years. So I want to own a little bit of different areas of the market. Now, right now, I'm going to make the assumption, and I'm going to say I am forever giving away the ability to make a killing in any one sector of the market, but I am forever protected from getting killed by any one sector of the market. Well, that's the perfect way to put it. And again, the the way you diversify the right mix – it's absolutely a function of what you said your goals were. What your goals when are. When you sit down with a financial planner. And you're, you're, how much of, of a, a risk can you take? How much volatility can you stand? And knowing what your time horizon. And if your you, time you horizon know, is critically let's important. Let's talk about time horizon when we come back after this break. Because I really think people need to identify that diversification and time horizon really kind of comes together. Because it it's, does. It, it's, a, it's kind of a chain link. And it keeps every one of these little chains need to be linked together. When it comes to investing, time is the greatest thing out there because it is the great equalizer and it cures all ills. Give it long enough and it'll work. There you go. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Please search for our webpage, Shoemaker Financial, and like us on Facebook. Stick around after we go to traffic and weather and check out what's going on in New York. We'll be right back with some more tips on investing in a volatile market. 
at marketwatch.com. All right, Keith, we were talking about uh, diversification and right. asset allocation. Let, let's, let's, let's make sure I want you to describe asset allocation. You know, we talk about this, but we can never – it's almost like you preach the same sermon. I know it sounds like we're being redundant, and we are. We but are. I want people to understand, here we have a market that has been volatile. It is the right way the market's supposed to function. It right. is not surprising. We are going to have a correction. We've been second talking about a correction. Next week, we got Rusty Leonard, uh, you know, and he's an analyst, a CFA, he, he's right. a tremendous guy. I know it's Good Friday, but, but it's a program that people don't want to miss because we're asking him to prepare us his thought process. But the reality is, regardless of what Rusty may tell us from a technical standpoint, these are fundamentals that every investor needs to be engaged in. So asset allocation, talk about it for me. Asset allocation is the single biggest decision you have to make as far as your how you're going to manage your portfolio, how you're going to manage your investments. And all it is ultimately is what percentage of stocks do you want in your portfolio? How much bonds do you want to own? And how much cash do you want to keep? And that really drives, and there's been studies that said that would drive as much as 92% of the volatility that you're going to see in your portfolio. So this is incredibly important. And understanding that asset allocation, now take me through that. If you understand that there's so many stocks, so many bonds, so much cash, the diversification side of that. Help me do that. Right. So if I had a, a lot of investors that we find test out, typically they're, they're conservative growth investors, and that's what we would call a portfolio that's made up of 60% stocks and 40% bonds and cash. Right. So then we look at, you know, how are we going to diversify that 60% stocks? But making that initial determination, 60% into stocks and 40% into bonds, is really one of the biggest drivers of everything that happens to that portfolio. And if you think about it, our job is to know how to allocate that. So we're not... That's just, what we do. You know, right. We're not just up there going, okay, let's put it this way. There is a very fundamental, efficient frontier type portfolio that's looking through the whole time rise. So you have to have the right type of diversification. And here's one of the ways that we add value, Jim. I think, you know, as an individual investor, obviously, even if you come to that determination, I need to own 60% stocks. Well, then what 60% stocks do you own? And that's where diversification comes in. And everything that we put into the portfolios is in there for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. And everything is designed to work in concert with every other investment. All right, let's in the talk portfolio. about that for a second. Right now, people might say emerging markets is out of favor. Right. Okay? And it is. And it is. It looks like it, hey, it's struggling. But right. Now's when you buy it. Now is when it's you buy it. It's on sale. It is. It and is. So Incredibly on and sale. if it's in your portfolio, which we would have it in, right. then you would say, "Well, I don't want to buy that. That's the that's a but that's why you're buying something because you're diversified, and that diversification gives you winners and losers. Now, keeping in mind, though, it does. It, you know, there's no guarantee that diversification is going to keep you from losing money. There is no guarantees that you're going to keep, and it just minimizes your risk. It does minimize you. You manage your time horizon. Right. Time horizon zero to two years, yeah. short term. Short term and probably can't be in the market. And shouldn't be in the market. Two to eight years is that medium term. That's and right. should be in the market, but a little bit. Can't take on quite as much no, risk of volatility. Not at all. Yeah. And then for someone who is the long-term play, and by the way, anybody retiring, everybody, I've heard this, say, well, when I retire, should I now get short-term? If you think you're going to die in the next two years, yes. I, and we hear that all the time. When someone comes in and they're 64 and you say, well, what's your time horizon? And they say two years. No. No. Because no. people today, in yeah. fact, yeah. if you have two healthy individuals at 65, one of them 
statistically is going to live to be over 85 years old. That's 20 more years. And That's if you've got long, 20 years, totally different proposition. Absolutely, absolutely. So neither diversification or asset allocation guarantees you against loss, but they are ones that you can manage the risk. It mitigates that. your risk, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the final thoughts I have for this today is we need to, as you said, have faith in the future. Know what asset allocation is. Know what diversification is, and then of course rebalance just keeps you in the market. You're selling high, and you know, and you're buying low. Rebalancing forces you to do exactly what you were talking about. So if you had a portfolio last year that had U.S. stocks in it and had emerging markets, the U.S. stocks did great. They had a huge run, thirty-two percent. You would be selling some of those now, and you would be buying the emerging markets, which didn't do anywhere near as well. Could have had anywhere from a negative return up to basically flat. So you're selling the one that's done really good. You're buying the one that's done really bad. Sometimes that's hard to do, but it's a great discipline. Well, I think everybody just if you know your goals and you really that's your planning. What Frank was talking about earlier in the program. Know your goals, know your objectives, then you diversify, do the proper asset allocation, do the diversification, rebalance, seek out a good plan, 757-5757 is the telephone number. Give Frank a call. Give us a call. We can help. And do not panic when the markets are volatile because we feel like they will be more volatile this year than they were last year. We're going to see more 260-point days going both ways. And don't, had, don't worry about it. I had the question, is this the beginning of the I mean, Correction. The I don't know. Who knows? Could but the be. reality is, it could be. And I think the, what we try to do is think through that process with the individual investor. If you've done the, the planning on the front end, when the correction occurs is completely irrelevant. Well, I uh, hey, good program. Great I mean, program. I, I appreciate what you talked about. I appreciate it, Frank. Very sincere on what we do. It's trust. It's all about trust. It's all about knowing the activity that we do. So, hey, I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. And I want to thank Art Frederick, our program director, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, and Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. Join us next week when we're going to have Rusty Leonard on to talk about his views of the economy. And until then, I'm Keith Quinn. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Join us then, and we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.